interrupt this program to bring you... Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Kevin, and this is Real Guys Live, the podcast series where we get real discussing everything movies and television. Joining me today, I have the greatest minds of the Real Movie Guys universe. Let's go through everybody. John, say hello to the audience there. Hello. Adam. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, Julie. Hi. Yes, guys is an inclusive term, so so you know. So yes, there is a woman joining us on the podcast. (laughs) I know, we are a special team of misfits right here. (laughs) So what I want to do, guys, is I want to start off, kind of shake off the the butterflies a little bit. This is the first show. Uh, This show, really, for you guys who are listening out there, is just for us to kind of give you our thoughts on what's going on in the news with entertainment, you know, everything that's going on. You know, there's so much news nowadays, right? You want to know what's important. This is kind of what this show's about. It's for us to give our thoughts for you guys to get to know us you know we're just just chatting just having a good time so like i said what i want to do is i want to start with what's everybody watching there's so much stuff out there uh we don't have time obviously to talk about it on the channel to do special videos and everything like that uh let's start with adam adam what are you currently watching right now okay so recently (laughs) uh i have been binge watching psych on amazon prime actually I don't okay. Know if anybody's seen the show Psych, but it is a fantastic show. I think somebody Thank here you. does. Uh, I know. I see. I see some. You guys can't see it, but there's a certain person clapping over there. I am obsessed with Psych. It is one of my all-time favorite shows. I had like a Psych pineapple plushie. It is so quotable, so iconic. Absolutely. I'm still behind on some of the movies, but it is amazing. Yeah, they have. Um, I saw they have the first. Uh, movie is on Amazon Prime currently as well. So once I'm done with the series, I'm going to go watch that as well. No, Psych is a great show. I mean, it lasted a really long time, kind of longer than I thought, which is kind of ironic for a show that I didn't know was that popular. It has a huge cult following. Uh, I think they're on like three movies. There's three sequel movies at this point in time. Uh, I think the third one is coming out, I think. It might have just come out um, because I remember... Um, there was like a huge media blast for it and they were going off like the whole this is us kind mm-hmm. of you know packaging this is Gus um, uh, but I've only uh, seen the first movie I just rewatched it recently because it technically is a Christmas movie um, so I watched it around the holidays and gotcha. meant to watch the other two and never got around to it but I still constantly quote like Gus's you hear about Pluto pickup line it's amazing <laughs> i love it so much it's such a good show but yes that's what i've been watching recently no that's a good show it's good to have a nice like longer show like that where you can just kind of like just jump in casually watch a couple episodes uh that that's usually like the best thing i kind of like as far as watching a show just you know getting mm-hmm. casual yeah. pickup casual comedy is always good uh john what's going on man what are you watching what's what's, what's been new with you over there well the thing i really been watching is the book of boba fett a little oh, bit. Well, that that's like an awesome thing. So, okay, <laughs> I, I give you that. Uh, Book of Boba has been pretty good. I, I kind of want to talk about that maybe at some point on the channel. Uh, how, how are your thoughts on it? What do you think so far? I actually enjoy it. Like, from what I, I've heard other people talk about how they don't like it as much as, like, The Mandalorian or anything like that. But, like, I can't, you can't really compare it to that. I feel it's like tough. they're totally yeah. different things. And totally different stories but i think that like the creativity that they show on the show is really good i think that it's a decent show so far 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because Boba Fett is a character where he just looks cool. He literally has no... If you're just looking at movie canon-wise, he really has no backstory, except with the prequels, they try to, like, shoehorn him in, which was always one of my things with George Lucas, is why did you shoehorn, like, Jango Fett, his father, being the the survey of the clones to make all these people? I don't know. I, I thought that was always just kind of silly. Book of Boba felt like a new, like, journey for the character, right? They're going to give him some kind of identity. I'm kind of mixed, honestly, right now. I've, I've been watching it. Uh, I haven't watched the newest episode, which everyone says was kind of the best one. I think that's episode five, you know, if you're watching the podcast right now. And uh, actually, I think The Mandalorian's kind of in that episode. So it's, uh, you know, say what you want about it. Uh, they say the best episode's the one that's not necessarily about Boba Fett. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm on the fence right now. Adam, have you watched it at all? Have you given it a look? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Episode, uh, episode five seems to be... <laughs> It's very interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. But what do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's a, was a? Do you think it's okay the show or yeah, kind of lukewarm? Good. Yeah, it's, okay. it's it's nice to have backstory. Honestly, yeah, I think so. You know, he's a little. He's not what I expected, Boba Fett. At, at this point, you know, right. he's a little yeah. kind of soft. Does that make any sense? I'm I'm not expecting yeah. it. He's a little too soft for my taste. I, I want him to be a little gruffer, a little meaner, especially because he, he was a bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> he also takes his helmet off a lot. Yeah, well, you I know, found that very, I found that very odd going from like the Mandalorian to him, where the Mandalorian never takes off his helmet, and Boba Fett's like, eh, I don't want to wear my helmet ever. <laughs> I guess that's kind of like if you're looking at like a lore reason, he's not like a hardcore because they said like in the Mandalorian he was a hardcore follower of that Mandalorian religion. I guess so that was kind of why he kept his helmet on, on the whole time, but. Whatever, you know, this is what it is. Boba Fett's interesting. You know, once it's over, I think we'll have a conversation where we can maybe all talk about it. That'd be something we should bring up, you know, down the road. Right now, mm -hmm. let's see where it goes. Uh, Julie, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even get to get to you. What, what did you think? I know you've been watching it because I've been watching it. So obviously you've been watching it too. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. Um, when I first saw him in the original trilogy, you know, he's no good to me dead. I love him. Um, and I agree, he's definitely a big softie which I have mixed feelings about. I kind of love it because um, it's just cute. I mean, he's older, you know, he, you know, learned some different ways. He crawled out of, you know, the Sarlacc pit, um, which there's an amazing clip from Parks and Rec with Pat and Oswalt at uh, one of the town meetings where he literally describes the whole opening sequence mm -hmm. to episode one. It's hysterical. Um, but that I do really, yeah. it's, it's beat for beat. Someone did like a side by side. Um, and, you know, that was years ago. So I don't know if maybe, it was a little tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, um, but I just find it hysterical, and especially with Pat, and that was like improv. Um, but I do really love his right-hand woman, uh, Fennec. She's super badass. Um, I love seeing her kind of being, you know, the voice of reason in some ways. Like you got to show strength, um, you know, and advising him in certain ways. But there's some elements to it that I think are a little goofy, like the cyborg teens that he took under his wing, you know. But We'll see. I'm excited. We didn't get to episode five yet, um, but when we do, you know, Kevin came in hot and heavy with a spoiler. Um, I'm going to be very excited because um, that's my, he kind of, you know, usurped Boba as my, you know, one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. Listen here, that's, that's not so much a spoiler. It was kind of expected. I didn't tell you what happened. I just said he, he shows up, you know, that's all I'm saying. And it's, it's pretty much the whole episode. All right. That's all you need to know from what I was told. Uh, two quick things I just want to touch on the, 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 the kids thing, the hot rod and teenager thing is solely strange. 
I get why it's in there, though, because Robert Rodriguez directed that episode, and there was so many callbacks to Spy Kids with all their little gadgets and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of silly. You know, I, I, I don't like it in Boba Fett. I think it's really weird, but it, it's fun yes. nonetheless. It's fun. I, I mean, a solid Spy Kids reference. I mean, you can't go wrong with it, but <laughs> it, it didn't necessarily fit. <laughs> No, it didn't fit. And uh, his right-hand uh, woman there is also the voice of Mulan. That's, that blows my mind. I'm, I'm still like, that, you know, speaking of voice actors that you don't didn't expect, I thought that was kind of interesting. She was also in, I didn't watch it, but she was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So people, you know, say she's in like three major, like, franchise. You know, she's a Disney princess. She was in the Marvel Universe, and now she's in the Star Wars Universe, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big accomplishment. I mean, Disney owns the world, so I guess you're going to show up in multiple franchises at some point if you're decent enough. You know, that's just the way the world works right now. Anyway, last person real quick. Julie, what are you watching? I know what you've been watching, but tell everybody else what you've been watching. Yeah, after much, you know, begging and pleading, I just started watching Succession. Um, I was on Succession TikTok for a while without having seen any of the show and was really intrigued by it. Um, I started it um, in season two now. I really love it. It's, you know, this giant billion dollar family fighting over control of who will be next in line to take over. And the backstabbing is really intense. You love and hate every single character at the same time. Um, It's really enjoyable, really funny at the same time. Um, So I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I can't wait to finish and get caught up. Yeah, Succession's really good. You know, I kind of went into that show, like, you know, not really knowing what to expect. Uh, There is a lot of business jargon, which I'm still kind of like thrown about. Like, you know, I don't really understand it, but I I get enough of it so I can understand where the plot's going. Kind of wish I knew more. Maybe I wish I was smarter to some extent. I guess I'm not as smart as I typically think I am. Uh, (laughs) That's on me. Hey, uh, Adam McKay directed that, which I think is really cool, who's also in association with Will Ferrell which is a really weird name to see pop up as a production credit for that show. That, that's where I think some of the comedy really lands, because you wouldn't expect it in this kind of show, especially because there's a lot, again, a lot of backstabbing, backdoor dealing business stuff. And then you have this like random comedy that comes in, but for as random as it is, it's not that random. It actually fits into the tone of these terrible people who have a lot of money doing these absolutely terrible things. Good show, though, overall. I have to say, I was definitely much more impressed than I thought I would be. Well, part of the humor, too, it's like they're incredibly smart, but also very dumb at the same time. So just, you know, the way they speak sometimes or the way they do things, you know, there's a uh, character, Cousin Greg, who's like just walks in off the street. And because he's got a relation, he moves very quickly through the ladder and he has no clue what he's doing. And just seeing him, you know, maneuver through, you know, these business sharks is pretty comical at times. No, it's good stuff. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, we just started about season two, I think we're at right now. But again, good stuff so far. I can't recommend it enough. Now, what I've been watching is something, you know, me and Adam actually covered this earlier on the channel uh, last year. We watched Attack on Titan was our anime and we were blown away by, you know, the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. Shameless to say, I kind of never went back and watched more until recently. My New Year's resolution was I need to watch more anime. You know, I'm losing my roots. I'm losing my grounds. I'm not watching as much as I really want to. So I said, all right, let's start with one of the best series I know. It's coming to an end this year, uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, I, I lo- I'm loving it right now, really, Attack on Titan. I think there were some dips in the season. Now, I know, Adam, I know you're – are you up to date right now with the show? Absolutely not. No? Uh, how far did you get when you watched it? Um, I think – 
uh, finished season two. Okay. Because season two and season three, I'm not going into spoilers, but quality of animation is just not there, which is very strange. So I know for the, I think it's season four, they did change studios at one point. Mm. So it has a whole new look, whole different thing, which is really shocking because when we covered the show, I was really, I love the art. We That's something we like right. talked about so much, how much we love the style, love the way the look of the show. There's a big decline, man. I don't know. They're giving you a forewarning. Uh, there's a lot of stills throughout it like a lot of like just still images of scenes happening and people talking um some of the sizes i know julia when we were watching it even she's like well, that that person looks totally different from the, the way they just looked like a scene ago uh i don't know what happened i guess there was a lot of production issues from when i was researching it where they couldn't you know they, they were trying to get it out because unfortunately the anime industry is a nasty nasty thing and putting stuff out constantly, you know, it just there's a lot of crunch. And I think they were rushing and it, it becomes obvious at times. And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt the story. I think the story's there absolutely for the show. Uh, but it's just it's just obvious, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. Again, not hurting the show. I'm, I'm loving the story. But, you know, if you're someone who's into animation, it might bother you a little bit at times because it did it did for me. Yeah, I mean, I would say the animation didn't really take away from my enjoyment of the show. But with, like mm -hmm. like you said, certain characters, I think at one point, Erevin, he looked completely different. Like, his face was elongated. I was like, what the heck happened to him? Um, but the story is still so engaging and so intriguing that you're going to keep watching it. You know, me personally, you know, I'm not well-versed in anime, um, you know, in the different styles of it. So the story is still super compelling. Um, but sometimes, you know, some images can definitely be pretty janky i know someone who's really well versed in anime and they haven't said anything yet john tell tell everybody <laughs> let me hear it how much do you love anime <laughs> you muted yourself that's that's for the listeners at home <laughs> he had so much to say he had to put himself on mute <laughs> oh here he goes all right uh -oh. yeah uh -oh. i have no clue about anime at all <laughs> you love anime <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> it's like watching paint dry. Hey, I made you watch. Uh, what was it? Two years ago? Now at this point, we watched Tokyo Godfathers. You thought that was all right? We watched that. That oh, was yeah. a Christmas movie. You liked it? You thought it was all right? That was one of the strangest Christmas movies <laughs> to watch. <laughs> well, I, I like having the outlier here because John hates anime. That's like a thing. That should be its own series at some point because man, he really just no matter what we watch, he he finds something to not like about it. <laughs> Yeah. Which you might be Easily. one of these people, which actually jumps us right into the news. You love that segue right there. So I came across this article when I was trying to find like topics for us to you know discuss and talk about. Uh, I found this article that was on Anime Galaxy Official. So take that news source for what it is. Uh, Breaking Bad fans have been review bombing Attack on Titan with one star ratings. Toxic fandom is such a horrible thing. Uh, most of us are used to it, especially if you like anime. I think they're the most toxic of all the fans out there. I just think it's interesting to see uh, in this article, they talk about attack on Titan is one of the best TV series, not only in the anime industry, but other entertainment sectors as well. Uh, the review ratings of the series are also pretty high on IMDb as compared to other famously known shows, but some people seem to be unhappy with the growing popularity of the series. Not a day has properly passed since attack on Titans episode 78 became the top rated episode on IMDb with a perfect score of 10 out of 10. I didn't look at it, so I don't know any context of it, but, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but, uh, but getting jealous of this few fans of the popular AMC series, Breaking Bad, started giving negative one-star reviews to the series. 
Actually, before the release of Attack on Titan's new episode titled Two Brothers, Breaking Bad Season 5 episode titled Ozymandias was the top-rated TV episode on IMDb with over 150,000 votes with an average user rating of 10 out of 10. But after the new episode of Attack on Titan premiered, things got a little heated up. In just 24 hours, episode 78 climbed to the second spot and received a user rating of 10 by almost 90% of the audience. Uh, so basically what happened is a bunch of Attack on Titan, or excuse me, Breaking Bad fans went into IMDb and review bombed the episode just so Breaking Bad could have the top spot. Now, now does this affect anybody like in, in reality? And like when you guys go to watch a show... Like I think most of us here, when we like a show, we just kind of keep going regardless of what the review says. But what what do you guys think of this culture? You know, what what are some of your guys' thoughts on this? What's going on here? I think this is crazy, especially to see two like a like literally a John audience going after a Kevin audience right here. I th- I think this is kind of brutal, in my opinion. <laughs> I just find it to be super silly. Um, the fact that like God forbid. I mean, Ozzy Mendes, it's an amazing episode of television, but God forbid it's not the most amazing one on IMDb. I just find it to be, you know, very silly that they're like strategically going in and putting in those negative reviews. Like, personally, I don't have the time to do that. So the fact that they're taking time out of their day to just, you know, slam Attack on Titan with negative reviews. Um, I guess that's a testament of fan dedication, but are they being dedicated in the right ways? And I don't even know how many years has it been since Breaking Bad ended? 10? Over 10? You know, like, just let let it lie. Everyone knows it's one of the greatest shows of all time. You don't have to go in and trash another show because of it. Yeah, it's interesting because Breaking Bad is an amazing show. I mean, it's definitely up there as one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, would I go in there and just, like, downvote another show just to just to be that guy? Not really. I mean, I guess I'm not passionate enough in that instance. Um, you know, it, it's just it's, it's interesting because I, I know they also bring up shows like Game of Thrones and Chernobyl that have like top rated episodes that saw a shift. Uh, but again, you know, now, John and Adam, what do you guys think now? Does do standings really bother you with the show? Because I feel like a lot of our culture now, at least when I see other people on YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that, I always see like Rotten Tomatoes being brought up like oh the tomato score is whatever percent fresh or the imdb imdb score is whatever point does that impact your like going into a show do you guys does that affect you guys at all when you think of it um uh, not not really i mean i'll look just more so out of curiosity right um but for the most part if if it's along something that i enjoy to either watch or experience or something like that i'm just gonna go do and you know do my own thing there's tons of stuff that i like that's not popular at all and that doesn't affect me right it's not and i'm not gonna go out of my (laughs) way to be like oh i will not stand for this and just start you know (laughs) review bombing all these other shows just because my show isn't the number one or something like that that's that's no i'm not about that (laughs) How about you, John? What what are you doing over there? I know you're the guy. He's the keyboard warrior over here. He's like he's downvoting everything he can. Oh yeah, I got so much free time on my hand that I decided <laughs> to make sure that my show is the number one show on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. Uh, now I would I would pose this to you guys. Now, as far as a TV show concerned, once we're if I'm watching it, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching it nine times out of ten. I usually don't stop unless it's that horrific where I can't get through it. Now, 
a score would affect my opinion, I think, more on a movie. Like, if I saw, like, a really low score on maybe, like, a movie, for example, I might be less inclined to jump into that. Uh, a good example for me. Now, I don't know what the score is exactly. I probably should be looking it up, but I'm just not going to do that right now. Uh, the new James Bond, right? I didn't jump into the new... I love James Bond. Don't get me wrong. I've seen every single movie except the newest one. It's something I didn't jump into because I saw there was, like, a mixed reaction, mixed score. For some reason, I just I keep putting it off. Does that come across to any of you guys? Is that something that, that happens to you where you just see that negative score and you don't really want to like just you just don't I don't know what it is. Maybe I just don't feel like jumping into it for whatever reason. I wouldn't uh, sometimes like if I'm interested in seeing a movie and then I look it up on IMDb and it has a very low score definitely makes me a little more hesitant. Um, but a lot of the time it's you know, it depends on the movie. It depends on the marketing it depends on the content. You, you know, I know Kevin and I have talked about this a lot. You know, sometimes there could be a drama that's coming out and it's getting critical acclaim, but you're not in the mood to watch, you know, a movie about a duel in France. You know, it's just one of those things. Like sometimes <laughs> you, you have to be in the mood to watch a movie. A very specific movie. movie. Yeah, that's very specific. Um, We've been trying to watch for like <laughs> 20 years, it feels like. <laughs> Um, and, and sometimes, you know, the material's heavy and you got to really build yourself up to watch it. So, I mean, I wouldn't say negative reviews you necessarily impact me wanting to go see it. If I want to see something bad enough, I'm going to go see it. John, Adam, anything? What do you, what do you got? How about you guys? How about Adam? What do you got? Do you have anything? Um, I guess it's more of like, yeah, I would say that probably happens because it's like, why... Am I going to go waste my time, I guess? Right. To see something that, you know, might not be as good when I can go watch something else that's good or, you know, go do better things with my time, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I could yeah. see where I could see that. It does I, happen, I guess. I'm kind of like that with Marvel to an extent, too. Like, I, yeah. I do end up watching those. And, and like, like I said, like, I think it was Eternals was one where I was more mm. like, eh, I don't know if I feel like it. But eventually I did. Yeah, it's fine. You know, you, yeah, you, end, up, you end up getting to it. A, um... <laughs> Yes, that's it. Yeah, like I'll get to it when I get to it. it you know, when it happens, I'll, I'll eventually. So it's not like right. I'm supposed to be like you know Spider Man, which I was like, you know, got to be there day one. Yeah, right. Now, John, do you think there's like a cool off period when you see a negative review? Like everyone's like, oh, this movie's terrible. I hate this. This is the worst thing. Then you give it like I don't know three or four months, right? And then you go back and you jump in to watch it. Eh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I don't know what everybody was talking about. Do you think that's a thing? Do you think there's like a little bit of a over, I feel like there's a bandwagon, right? That people just jump on as soon as they don't like something. And they say it's like the worst thing in the world, but it ends up being like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> well, I also think too, like with, like, especially when people go to like a movie theater. Mm. So I feel like if half the movie theater or over three quarters of the movie theater hates the movie, yeah, but you kind of enjoy the movie and you walk out and they get your opinion on it. You're like, oh no, I hated that movie. Like some people are just like, not comfortable with their own opinion they have to go on to other people's opinions and be like oh no that wasn't i didn't like that for something but for like like most of these even like these reviews that people look at like you always got to judge it with a grain of salt because yeah whatever you like is something yeah. else and somebody else could like something totally different yeah, I mean, there's bias. There's bias in our reviews that we put up on the channel. I just put my Dune review up and I gave it an A-plus and said it was the best movie of the year for me. Most people aren't going to think that, you know, and I, I kind of talked about it briefly in the review where I just kind of said, 
you know, this isn't going to be for everyone. You know, it's going to be your taste. If you like a slow, you know, story about world building and creating a sci-fi universe, this is going to be for you. But if you don't like that, it's going to it's going to impact your review. There's always going to be a bias. As much as we try not to have a bias on a movie, it's going to come through. And, you know, I just I think it sucks the review bombing. You know, I, I don't know what we can really do to stop that. You know, we're going to see just people doing that. I, I do like when we just have like honest opinions come through and we have like conversations like we're having now and we're just talking about movies and stuff. I think these are the conversations that people should be listening to. Uh, you know, and I think overall, before you even listen to our review or anything like that, and I've always encouraged people in general, just watch the thing. That's how you're going to find out if you liked it or not. If you have an interest in it, don't listen to what anybody else says. Go watch it, then come back and see what other people said. And yeah, it's just, it's a fun conversation. I think that's what's, I think maybe that aspect of a review is more important, just hearing the conversation once you're able to participate in it. I think that's more interactive and more fun. Well, yeah, or at least go watch the trailer or something like Right. I think the trailer would tell you more yeah. about whether you're going to like a movie than somebody's review score or anything. Well, that's interesting and, that you bring that up because uh, the net. Oh, Julie, I'm sorry if you want to go into that. I was just going to kind of circle back to what Adam was saying about like wasting your time. Like if you're not interested in it, that if, and if it's a movie that's, you know, at, at least two hours of your time that you're wasting. And now that theaters are opening back up and movies are being you know, exclusively shown in theaters as opposed to just free on various streaming services. You also have to think like, is it worth two hours of my time? And is it worth like 20 to $40 of my money to, you know, buy the tickets, get the popcorn kind of thing. So, you know, now that we're going back to normalcy, um, you have to think, is it worth my time and my money to see something that I'm just like, eh. No, I think those are, that's a great point. And again, this also ties into, the Batman's coming out now. I know most of us here are pretty excited. I think for that movie, I don't really see anybody shaking their head. No, what's John is, but he's not moving his head at all. So I couldn't tell you what he's doing. Uh, March 4th, we're going to see the Batman come out and the New York post actually posted this interesting article that talking about the runtime. Now, I don't know about you guys. I feel like movies are getting longer and longer to the point where, what am I watching? I mean, might as well just, it should be a TV show. Like, you know, there's a conversation to be had here, uh, but we're seeing right now that it looks like the Batman is going to be one of the longest running films of the comic book, you know, universe, as far as movies uh, looks like as of right now, this article said uh, that Matt Reeves directed thriller is going to be about two hours and 55 minutes. That is a long time. That's almost three hours. Uh, Avengers Endgame, I think, was was it longer? I want to say. I just looked it up. It Endgame is three hours and two minutes. Wow. Okay. So that that's a long time, and that was like the climatic end to a whole entire cinematic universe of movies. Uh, what what are your guys' thoughts on the Batman being this long? Adam, what what are you thinking with you know? That's a long time for a movie to sit there in a theater. It is, but it's not like I haven't done it before. I mean, we did it with Endgame. I've done it with Dune. So, you know, both yeah. of those movies are pretty, you know, Yeah, Dune, Dune's pretty long. <laughs> um, and if it's done well, it doesn't even feel like it's long. I've experienced that multiple times where I sit there. I'm like, wow, it's been, you know, however long. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Um, and I know uh, I read that. They don't want to do. They're not gonna. They're gonna stay away from like I guess uh, the origin story for Batman. Okay. Okay. I didn't this know movie. That. That's pretty so interesting. If because it's already been done before. Right. We've seen it a million um, times. A million times. And I'm so I'm totally open for you know just 
almost three solid hours of just Batman, that sounds amazing to me. So I have right. no problem. With it. How about you, John? I know you're 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 an impatient man over there. What do what do you think? Do you like how are you? What are your thoughts on the runtime being that long? Are you okay with it, or you know what do you think? I'm fine with it. I feel like people are making such a big deal about like this movie being almost three hours when there's so many other movies out there that are like three hours plus or whatever. And you're just like, right. You're they're boring. Like if a movie catches your attention throughout the whole thing, it doesn't matter how long it is. As long as you're enjoying it, your, your experience is what really makes it. How good the movie is, is going to make you not worry about time. There's right. movies that you could watch an hour of it and it feels like five hours and you're just like, all right, that's terrible. No, that was like me. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is actually referenced in this article and that was over four hours long. Now, I didn't finish it and it's not because I didn't like it, but I just didn't. I, I, I don't know. I'm one of those guys. I want to sit there and watch the whole thing when I'm going to find four hours of my day to watch a movie. That, that's a little that, that, that's some dedication right there. Uh, you know, I could probably do it in chapters. They do break it up into chapters on HBO Max, so that's probably something I should look into doing. Uh, you know, I think it's fine. Uh, what what makes me kind of convinced that this might be okay is the latest clip that came out for the Batman. Now, I know I shared it with all you guys, um, th- this clip that they're showing for the movie, and the tone for this movie is not what I expected at all. Uh, most superhero movies I feel like have been, you know, the, the Marvel universe in particular has just been like the comedy, you know, super powered action genre. Batman's giving us something that I think I've always really wanted. Uh, they're giving us this gritty thriller and the clip that they showed, um, just to set up a little bit of context for you guys at home, uh, the clip shows Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne at a funeral and suddenly, you know, they hear this noise outside and a car comes crashing into the funeral rams into like the front where the casket is and a guy comes out with a bomb strapped to him and he has a cell phone and it has a message you know to the batman i think the car says like doa on the car it's like spray painted i believe and then he looks up top and you see a figure standing there which is i'm assuming is the riddler i don't think that's a spoiler he's he's in the poster he's in the trailer uh i just thought that was really different especially because i actually felt like you could feel like your heart racing a little bit you know it's setting up some kind of tension which i don't feel like we've had recently in these kind of superhero movies yeah like in the beginning like when you talk about the noise and it's it goes on for a while because again they're at a funeral so the church itself is mostly quiet you have some murmurs but then you hear muscle just screams and it goes on for a while before the car actually comes crashing through so it does a really nice job of building tension and like you said, with the grittiness, that's what Batman is. He's dark. He's gritty. He's a vigilante who beats the crap out of people at night. You know what I mean? So he shouldn't be cracking jokes. Um, and it, the movie is being, you know, billed as a thriller. Um, so I think it really does a nice job of that. And even, you know, going back to runtimes, if you compare the runtime for like a movie like Seven or Zodiac, um, they're around like two and a half hours. So it's not that far off. Um from that kind of runtime there. Um, but I'm very excited for this. Adam, what do you think? What are you, what are your thoughts on this like gritty, gritty world right here? I like it. Uh, I just think it's ironic that it's, it's still only a PG 13 movie. Yeah. That kind of bothers me too, a little bit. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I kind of wish, I kind of wish it was R. I think it should have pulled yeah. the trigger on it. Yeah. Me too. That makes but, me nervous. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't, yeah. It's like, you can only do so much with a PG 13 rating. So, 
Yeah, but we've seen we've seen the envelope pushed. I think occasionally. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't need to see the gore if if you're giving mm-hmm. me the, the death. You know, because I mean, that's maybe the biggest thing. You know, if you can build tension, some of the best movies I think do build tension. Just even with a PG thirteen rating, a uh, good right. example, in my opinion, not that it's like the same genre, but The Conjuring is always one mm-hmm. I always like. Feel like it pushed the envelopes of that tension. Nothing really horrifics happening. I mean, yeah, it's like a possession. There's a haunting stuff like that. But the tension was always there in a scene. Like you can always feel like something like unnerving, unsettling. Right. And I'm definitely getting this vibe from the Batman. And I think more importantly, like like John, I know you've read a few Batman comics in your time. I know you're not totally, you know, he's got a little bit of nerd culture in him. He, he can't admit that he doesn't. Uh, it's what do you think about them focusing? From what I can tell, that they're focusing on the detective aspect of this story like there really is a big push for the mystery now how do you feel about that because you you said we've grown up with like you know the tim burton's batmans and you know everything everything in between adam west you know we've we've seen it all what do you think about this new angle that they're taking batman for someone who is pretty much used to just like the typical you know action guy no i think this is like a more interesting angle too to take like even just when we were watching that clip alone that clip drew me in so much more to wanting to watch this movie even more because of not just the way that it was put together too. Cause it's very dark, gringy, like almost one of those movies that like you would think about, like that's the character you want Batman to be in that way. Yeah. I mean, Batman's always been associated with, you know, the guy on the street, right? He's the guy taking down the low lives that no one else wants to deal with. I mean, he's got a crazy rogues gallery of insane people uh, from, you know, low level street thugs, the Joker to some extent to like people like Clayface and other like insane things like Batman kind of deals with everything, which I feel like he's the most interesting out of all the even out of the Marvel characters. I feel like Batman is the most interesting, maybe next to Spider-Man, who has like the most interesting rogues gallery. But Batman just has like a crazy assortment of things going on, and he kind of fits into whatever whatever the situation calls for. He could be fighting a thug, or he could be fighting Superman. Somehow he's winning. I, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But Batman just he fits the mold into anything you want to tell. So again, I don't know what DC's really doing. I, I think they're going into maybe that other. I don't know if they're trying to tie all their movies together. I think they kind of somewhat given up on it to an extent. We'll see when the Flash comes out. That might be another conversation we'll have. Uh, but I like them just just trying something. Throw it to the wall, see what sticks. You know, not all our movies need to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's great. We have a cinematic universe. Now let me have an alternative for something else for me to go to. I think that's more interesting to me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty solid because you know, it gives me more variety. Right. We like variety here on that on this channel. You know, we like yeah. to talk about different things. Uh, so let's go into this other story. So speaking of variety. We have a lot of video gamers here. Uh, you know, a lot of us play video games. Julie is the Animal Crossing queen over there, uh, the Sim queen. I, I, I would say Sims more so. I would love to be an Animal Crossing queen, but I hate my island right now, so it's definitely not queen. I have to show you my island. We'll have to visit later. <laughs> yeah, I need oh, your no. I need your guidance. John's been known to tangle tangle with uh, Halo every now and then, right? We we played a couple games here and there. I think we haven't in a yeah. while. We actually need to do that. that that's kind of all of us do, actually, except Julie. Julie hates Halo. So that, that's even funnier that we're going in to talk about Halo. Uh, there was a Halo TV uh, trailer that came out. Now, the actual full trailer is coming out uh, tomorrow from the time we're recording this on a Saturday. It's actually coming out on the, the Sunday, the 30th. Uh, but there was a sneak preview. Now, Adam, I know you're a huge Halo fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
with this sneak preview, what are your thoughts? Now, we've had a lot of video game movie adaptations. You know, we've seen a lot, to, to put it lightly. Uh, what are your early thoughts on this first, like, sneak preview that we had for Halo? Uh, oh, hold on. Adam cut out. He'll be joining us back in a moment. Uh, now, John, what do you think about Halo? <laughs> I mean, from what I saw so far, it seems like it could be interesting. But my always problem with video games turning into like shows or movies, it always makes me like question like, is it going to be good? Right. Very few of them have been yeah. decent. Right. Right. Now, Adam. Now, now that you're back, we we've unfrozen you from the frozen sands of Zoom call. Uh, now, what are you what are you thinking? Because I know Mr. Master Chief's your buddy there. <laughs> oh yes, uh, I had no idea I was frozen. Okay. Yeah, you were frozen. That's oh. okay. We 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 went on. We we segue. So if you guys hear some jumbling around, hey, we're doing our best. All right, we can't okay, control great. the internet. <laughs> um, I I was saying that uh, it's I enjoyed seeing Master Chief like in real life. Yeah, it was cool. Right. Um, especially because the Halo, I guess anything besides the game has been a long time coming because there was yeah. a Halo movie that was you know rumored to come out like years ago right which ironically led to one of my favorite movies of all time uh right. district nine is one mm-hmm. of my it's one of the most unexpected movies that i i still think the marketing for that movie was pure genius they filmed a separate scene that had nothing to do with the movie just told you kind of that there was this alien in a uh, conference room being interrogated and that's all you knew i mean even beyond that there wasn't much to the marketing beyond like the posters like aliens go home or whatever it was that movie, I don't know. I, I still think we need to do some kind of marketing like that with some movies today, just just to lead that excitement. Because, you know, and it's funny too that most of the weapons that were found in that movie were actually like reconfigured Halo weapons because it yeah. didn't work out. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, back to your point. Like I said, so you were sorry. I totally interrupted there. I, no, I get excited when we talk District Nine. That's a movie. Sidetrack City. I get excited. Yeah, I love it. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see the second trailer tomorrow. Um, right. I, I don't know. I, Cause that little short that had come out however many years ago was, that was so cool that, uh, was directed by, uh, Neil Blomkamp. Right. Um, uh, it was, that was so cool. And I, I'm interested to see if this will kind of hold my attention. Um, because having Halo as a game, it's already got competition. You know, the story of Halo is, you know, to a certain extent, so yeah, inviting and it's it's all so interesting to me. And I, I don't know if this is going to hold up as well. So I'm interested to see how it goes. Right. I think the hardest thing and this is, you know, we're not a gaming channel, so I'm not going to go into like gaming statistics and, you know, stuff like that, you know, explanations. A lot of the people when you talk to the people who play Halo, it's usually not about the story. Nine times out of right. ten, it's usually we just we like the multiplayer. That's what we play. End of story. Uh, I, I personally do like the canon. I've always enjoyed the story mode, maybe mm-hmm. more so than a lot of other people. Now, to take that story and tell it to just a regular audience, like Julie, we, we talked about this earlier. Uh, you have no interest in Halo. So it's going to take a little bit of convincing, I think, for you to actually like this and become immersed in this story. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about it at all other than you know it's a multiplayer game you shoot stuff um you know i'm familiar with some of the image imagery you know master chief and cortana no, no uh-huh. okay she's cool. got it. She's i could. i'm glad um 
So like just looking at the trailer, um, and again, it's based off the video game. Those are, you know, you have your two iconic images. Um, Every other character that they're showing in this trailer just seems so generic. I don't know if that's the point. Um, I have no intrigue at all in watching this, but again, I don't have that background. I've never played a a Halo game. Um, So yeah, it's going to take a lot of convincing to get me to watch that. Yeah, and I, like Adam kind of said, it had an int- it has an interesting story behind like that first failed movie attempt. A lot of people don't remember it was supposed to be a Showtime show for a while. There was like ten episodes that were greenlit. Uh, there's actually an article released by Collider where they discussed it a little bit, just saying you know it was greenlit by Showtime. However, something weird happened. I guess the pandemic caused an issue with it to be produced, and Showtime kind of like just traded it over to Paramount Plus. Now, oh, was that recent? It was supposed to be on Showtime? Yeah, it was. It was right before the pandemic? Thing. Yeah, it was supposed to be. And then I don't know what happened. Now, John, as someone who I don't think you have Paramount Plus, would that be something like that would make you subscribe to that service? Is Halo something that's going to drag you over? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it's, not, it's not doing it for you? It's not enough? No. What would it take? I've... What would it take for you? For, what could Halo do? Could Halo itself do anything to get you to come over there? make paramount plus be less expensive yeah well that that's a whole nother conversation i think we'll be talking about the i, mean, I think streaming services are as much as cable at this point if we add them all up together um my big worry is and i think it comes with everything is the budget right i mean halo it's an expensive property right it's it just just by nature of it being this sci-fi story it has to be expensive you can only cut so many corners like i feel like and we were talking about book of boba fett in a way you know, they cut their corners, they do what they can, they kind of keep it secluded in one area, try to, you know, wean off that budget. I mean, they have Disney money. I don't know what kind of money, I mean, I guess Halo has Paramount money, right? Showtime, Paramount money, depending on when it was produced and made. I don't know if it's going to be enough, because when I think of Halo, I think of, you know, these massive escapes of outer space and ships and sprawling lands full of things. I don't know. I don't know. You guys have any concerns about that? Adam, I know, especially you, do you have a concern about that? I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes back to our conversation that uh, we had earlier. Like, I'm not I'm personally not subscribed to Paramount Plus currently. If the show is good, maybe I'll go do it. Right. But I'm not entirely sure because it's like that. It has to be done so well that if it's it has to, you know, really hold my attention like the games do. Right. And there's another adaptation I think that's coming out that I know a lot of us are also pretty excited for. Uncharted released their final trailer. Um, Uncharted's going to be coming out, I think it's next week, it looks like at this point from this time of recording. Um, or maybe two weeks. I could be wrong. doesn't matter at this point. I, I think it's the um, the 18th of February. Okay. Okay. So 18th of February. Now, Uncharted, for those uninitiated, we see Tom Holland, who was just in the popular Spider-Man franchise, assuming the role of Nathan Drake. Uh, I... I had mixed feelings. I think a lot of us, to some extent, had mixed feelings when we saw the casting. We had Tom Holland, uh, Mark Wahlberg as Sully. I, I didn't know what to think. Uh, it just, it seemed like just very interesting casting. Uh, once I saw the, the the this final trailer, I think I'm a little more sold on it. How are you guys feeling about it, uh, John? I know you've played some of the Uncharted games. How are, how do you feel about this movie coming out? Do you have any thoughts? Early thoughts on what you've seen so far? So far, not really. Like. It's definitely an interesting cast of characters mm-hmm. put in this. So it's kind of like makes you curious to see what they're going to do, but not really sold yet on it. Okay. All right. All right. So John's not sold. Adam, where, where are you? How are you feeling? You know, 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's mostly because the games are so good. It's, yeah. It, it, it's its own competition, really. I'm glad, I'm um, glad you said that because this, this is my issue. And I think this came down to when I even watched the Halo trail. That's why I kind of put these two, mm -hmm. you know, two situations back to back here is you, you become associated with a character, right? Like Nathan Drake, I'm so associated with him playing the video game that seeing right. somebody else be Nathan Drake is going to be hard for me, regardless if the performances are good or not. If the performance is really good, then it'll outshine and, and I'll be okay. But going into it, I'm always going to have this hesitation or the back of my mind, like, I've seen that done better to some extent. You know, I've seen it. I'm familiar with this. Kind of like Master Chief is the same way. Like, whatever they're doing with Master Chief, I've seen him done already. I've seen him right. in, in a better way. I've lived that experience. Mm -hmm. that, that translation from game to movie is a lot harder than people think because gaming is such a personal experience to where you, you are that character to, to an extent, right? You're, you're controlling that character's right. motions. You're involved in that story. The two mediums are so special in that way where you can have two such different experiences that making that jump can be really hard. And I feel like Uncharted's going to have a little bit of that. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I, I think that it, uh, it may struggle, honestly. I, I, because it's not only do you have to appeal to you know just the normal right. movie goer fan base but you also have to appeal to the people that play the games right. and that's a very high bar that they set for themselves yeah look at anime fans oh boy yeah <laughs> if they right. think anime fans are bad wait till they get the sony fanboys oh boy yeah. we're gonna have a problem <laughs> now julie you've you we've dip dabbled with uncharted i know you're not you know, you, you've watched me play. You've played. I think you played some of the first one, actually, at some point. I, uh, I did play some of the first one, and I did enjoy it. I'm definitely not, you know, as well-versed with it. But what I've seen, what I've played, I do like. Um, and just from my limited knowledge, I don't know if... I, and I love Tom Holland. I don't know if he's the best fit. Yes, he looks like a young Nathan Drake. But based off the trailers, he just seems, like, too goofy, like... The fact that like in that one scene where they're flying from the plane or whatever and he kicks the guy i'm sorry like i don't think nathan drake would do that um and it's it's challenging because again it's not it's a prequel i guess right to the events of the games from right they're I, playing younger versions i don't know mark Wahlberg doesn't look like sully sully's always been like gray white hair right like i don't right, know again, right. i'm not i'm not super well versed in the material um but yeah tom holland just seems like too nice as a Nathan Drake and to kind of goofy, like Nathan Drake, from what I understand, like he knew his stuff. He knew his history. He knew about treasure hunting. Um, so he just seems like just some kid being thrown into it based on the trailers. Um, I will say Mark Wahlberg, I'm hot and cold with him. He seems to be bringing like a nice element of humor to this movie. Um, I'm, I got a few chuckles out of him. Again, I don't know if he's the best person to be playing Sully. Um, I'll definitely watch it. I'm not going to run to the theater to do it. Maybe on like that discount Tuesday. Um, I don't know. It could go either way. No, I, I see what you're saying. I think that Nathan Drake kind of is that goofball from what I know from playing the game. Like he does make like little sarcastic comments. He kind of is like that. My problem well, I get is the sarcasm, but he just seems like goofy, right. goofy. My, my problem is I think the, the translation, like we talked about, like that, the scene that we've seen in the trailers and especially that's in this final trailer is the cargo being flown out of the plane and he's crawling back up to try and get to the plane. It's a totally impossible situation that is not going to happen in real life. Now in a video game, that's fine. 
right? I think we all come to accept there's going to be crazy sequences. We look forward to something like that. Take that sequence, put it in a movie. Uh, we're having a little bit of a different conversation to some extent. You know, he is just a normal guy going through this and he's kind of acting casual about it. You know, it's this really impossible scene and he's just kind of like taking it, taking it lightly. Like it's no big deal. There's a car flying at him and he's like flipping over it. It works in a game. Does it work in a movie? Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Adam, what do you think? I think the other issue I have is that Tom Holland is just, when I see him, I see Spider-Man uh -oh. and it's like, he can't get out of that role. Oh man. I, know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. I and, agree. Yeah. It's, and especially in that specific scene, it's just, I can see Spider-Man doing this. You're almost see. like, he seems like Peter Parker playing Nathan Drake. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Now, John, yeah, what, do you, what do you think about that? Because now you're only, I mean, I think all of us really are only familiar with Tom Holland from Spider-Man. You know, that that's kind of what we just associate him with. You know, unfortunately, that does happen to actors. You know, some of the greatest actors in the world just can't escape a role. And I don't know if Tom Holland's encroaching on that to some extent with his career. What do you think, John? No, yeah, I definitely agree with what everybody's saying. I feel like that's one of the problems, too, with actors and actresses when they play such a big role in a movie that they're always entitled. They're always to that character then. And it's very hard to like think about them as different characters. Right. And I think to some degree, I have to say it, uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is just Mark Wahlberg, you know, no matter who he plays anymore, he's become a meme of himself. And I love Mark Wahlberg. I don't want this to sound like I don't like him because I do, but no matter what role he plays, no matter what movie it is, it's Mark Wahlberg. You know, he's just one of those actors. Uh, there was a movie that came out relatively recently. I don't know if you guys saw a trailer. I don't even know what happened to it. I think it did come out on Paramount Plus. He was like, he like dies and he becomes like reborn or something where he's like reincarnated. He gets like reincarnated. Yeah, it's like his memories. I'm like, eh, like what the hell is this story? It's Mark Wahlberg. Like, it, it makes no sense. It's just, it's just Mark, like someone was reincarnated as Mark Wahlberg. Like, I don't care who he was in the past. Again, I just, he just can't escape it. Um, I think some of the comedy does look pretty good. I think him and Tom Holland will have decent chemistry. Um, I think what this will be better for, maybe a, a you know a fan base, a new fan base will be created here. Maybe someone who's like first introduced to these movies, I think will have an easier time adapting to it. Will the video game crowd have an easy time? Uh, kind of like Adam said, I think it's going to be really rough. I think it's going to be a hard time. Part of my yeah. hope is, you know, if the movie does do well, like maybe they'll see like a progression of Tom Holland's Nathan Drake become a little more serious. Cause yeah, in the games he's sarcastic, but he just seems like outright goofy. Like again, like I said, he looks like Peter Parker playing Nathan Drake, like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Or, Oh, this is a crazy situation. And I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think, you know, studios see his success as Spider-Man as Peter Parker and like, Oh yeah, do that. You know, you're recognizable for do that, do that. And he's such a young actor to already being, you know, pigeonholed into that imagery and into that character. It's going to be tough for him to break free of that. Yeah, I mean, look at the, like, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah. Potter. I mean, no matter what he does, he's Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, but he's, he's, he'll be Weird Al. He's going to yes. be Weird Al. That's, yeah. that's something we ought to talk about someday. Because <laughs> I, I can't wait for that trailer to drop and we talk mm -hmm. about that. I, I, I never thought I would hear the day of that. Uh, it's funny we're talking about Tom Holland because I kind of want to segue into what I thought was one of the most one of the best January movies I've ever seen, which usually isn't saying much for January. Uh, for what most people at home don't know, January is like the dumpster month 
of movies, uh, usually that's when the studio just unloads garbage, right? I mean, the, for the most part, uh, horror movies are especially significantly always, there's always a terrible horror movie in January. I think like Bye Bye Man uh, was one of them. Uh, there's a, quite a few, you know, I mean, you can just go through, especially Blumhouse. If you want to go through their catalog, it's always the dumpster of movies that month. I was really surprised. I actually was able to catch the new Scream movie and blown away. I think it's probably like an A, A-plus range for me, actually, for how good that movie was. I had no business being as good as it was. And it's interesting because it actually was able to dethrone Spider-Man about two weeks ago when it first came out. It, it crushed it in the box office. Uh, at this time of reporting, when we're looking at this right now, it's about $85 million at the worldwide box office and, and from a $24 million budget which I think is insane, you know, especially for a horror movie in January post pandemic at this point, uh, that that's a lot of money. I mean, Spider-Man broke all these records, but scream. I just, I, th I think it's interesting. And how this also ties into the whole conversation I want to have here is what do you guys think about nostalgia? Uh, scream is famous for mocking nostalgia. This whole new movie pretty much mocks horror, essentially making fun of like, I think they call it a three boot at some point where they, um, or a threequel, I'm sorry, they call it a threequel. No, uh, I think it's uh, a requel. Requel, maybe? Is it's that like what a it's reboot called? sequel, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and we're seeing that a lot. I mean, I, most of the movies we talk about, unfortunately, I think our sequels are reboots of, of something, you know, where, you know, there was always the joke, there's no original ideas in Hollywood. Uh, there really isn't. And you look at the two top movies right now, Spider-Man and Scream, which are both uh, heavily reliant on nostalgia, which... You know, Spider-Man, I don't think there's any spoilers at this point. I know Marvel themselves released images, so sorry. You know, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to go too deep, but Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie, all right? You know, I mean, like I said, officially, we can talk about that now. They show up in the, the three movie. of them did an interview. Yeah, they did an interview. It's been talked about now at this point, so we're not hiding it. Sorry, John, I don't think you saw Spider-Man, did you? no but whatever he don't care uh <laughs> um but yeah like i guess what do you guys think I, I, this interesting nostalgia thing we're seeing it done really well and in my opinion i know julie also we saw scream we really liked it uh spider-man did a good job with nostalgia uh, we're seeing it handled the right way um ghostbusters afterlife i did check out uh, there should be a review coming up on the channel shortly about that movie i thought they actually did it well i know there was some controversy with how people felt about that uh what do you, what do you think's going on? What is the zeitgeist that's being created here? Um, Julie, let's go into you. What, what are your thoughts with this, all this nostalgia stuff that's happening right now, especially in movies? Do, do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, in general, I'm definitely a sucker for nostalgia. Um, those three movies that you referenced do a really good job of hitting those notes the right way, making you feel the way you're supposed to feel like Spider-Man, for example, my heart swelled seeing the three of them on screen together. It really, it hit everything you wanted it to Ghostbusters too. You know, I watched Ghostbusters later in life. I wasn't a kid who grew up on it. Um, and the newest one, it, it does hit you in the feels. It, it's a love letter from a, you know, a son to a father um, and scream, same thing screams back to form. It's hitting all the nostalgia beats. So Again, I'm a sucker for, I'm a mush when it comes to that. So those three movies did it very well. And I think the whole part is, you know, we've been in a shit show for the past, what, two years, three years. And nostalgia is comforting. People, you know, seek that out. And we need to be comforted in these times. We're still in the thick of this craziness that's happening in the world. 
Um, so I think that, you know, movies and television see that, but I'm, I've been really happy with those three projects in particular about being, in my opinion, respectful to the fans. You know, I know Ghostbusters is a little divisive, but more so Scream and Spider-Man, especially, you know, really, you know, respecting their fan bases, giving them what they want, paying tribute to, and this is more Spider-Man, you know, honoring those characters that everyone loves so much, um, so I'm really happy with it. I mean, is nostalgia always done right? No. Um, you know, the newer Star Wars trilogy, you know, speaks for that. And again, like I said, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. When I first saw Force Awakens, I loved it. I loved all those nostalgia beats. And then watching it again later, I was like, eh, that was, you know, a little pandering. Um, so it, it has to be done the right way. It has to be done, you know, thoughtfully. Um, so I'm hoping that future nostalgia projects, you know, kind of take the lead of Spider-Man and Scream and, you know, being mindful, not just doing nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. No, those are all great points. And, you know, I, I have to agree with you on just about everything there. Uh, now, Adam, where, where are you around nostalgia? Now, have you had any examples of bad nostalgia that come up to you that the things that just haven't really quite worked for you? Uh, one for me, which will be another review that's coming out soon on this channel, uh, The Matrix Resurrection. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. I think I threw up in my mouth. I think I threw up. Julie hates the matrix in general. So, but me, for someone who was a fan of the original matrix, uh, seeing that movie, just that, that was wrong. There's a lot of really bad things that happen where there's just like nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia without giving it a purpose. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts, Adam? What's going on with you? Um, I don't know. I don't really, I can't really remember anything that I've been affected, at least in movie or TV show wise, right. negatively for nostalgia. Um, but I know nostalgia is a very powerful thing, especially if it is done correctly, like Julie mentioned, um, because it just takes us back to a time when, you know, in this case, when we, there was no pandemic, when things were much easier and we just go about our lives much better. And um, I, I think that, uh, it takes, you know, brings people to a nicer place, I guess, if you will. Right, right. And I feel like to some degree, I don't know, I, I guess I was going to say, I feel like sometimes it's weaponized against an audience. And I think that's more yeah. be more so towards the Matrix. Again, I hate to keep bringing that movie up because, God, I don't want to talk about it. But I can't I find myself talking about it a lot more than I want to. J Julie knows because I haven't shut up about it because I was writing the review. Yeah. You know, um, um, but yeah, it's it's become weaponized in some extent where it's like and I think Disney is maybe the more, you know, one we I associate with them weaponizing it. Uh, John, I know you know this, especially with uh, watching a lot of the Disney, the live action remakes. I feel like that's like weaponized nostalgia. Would you would you agree with that? Where they're taking something you love and saying, here's more of it. I'm shoving it in your face. I, I hope you like it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those things like we were talking about earlier, too, where they can't or we were just talking about, too. They can't come up with new ideas. They're always trying to reuse the same thing and put it in a different way so people just buy almost the same thing. It's kind of like selling people different things but putting a different wrapper on it, you know? There's some new things to it, but mostly it's reused, recycled material. No, It's, it's yeah. so true, especially with, like, I mean, Beauty and the Beast is probably one of my favorite Disney movies. And the live action for it is absolutely horrible, but it made so much money. People went and they liked it. I don't know how they liked it. 
Um, so I think Disney especially is, I guess, weaponizing it. Um, I actually just realized after we were talking a little bit, I just um, watched Dexter New Blood. And that's a show where I feel like they, it was a very mixed bag. They did a good job with nostalgia sometimes. And then other times they just threw stuff in to, you know, th- throw stuff in. Um, so sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't work. And it was one of those things after being apart from that character for so long, like there were certain beats that they brought back and you're like, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly what I was missing. And then they'll, you know, show a character from the original show and you get so excited and then they do nothing with it. Um, so again, it's all about doing nostalgia the correct way um, and really thinking about your fan base and thinking about your storyline um, when you're doing it, not just putting stuff in to put stuff in. Yeah, I can't yeah. stress to you how important that is to make sure that your your story is tied to the nostalgia correctly, not just putting it in there going, oh, remember when this happened? Uh, I love to reference, and I think it's it's perfect. You know, it's a perfect commentary on the industry. The South Park episode about the member berries, like, oh, remember this? Oh, remember when this happened? It's, it's so true. That is exactly what Hollywood is right now. And, I, you know, for those at home, Scream really references that a lot. Uh, which I thought was a great it's scream as not always has an interesting like carving no pun intended into like the society where they commentate on what's going on in Hollywood. And I think this movie more so than a lot of the other ones really commented on that society that we live in where Hollywood is just like, all right, let's do it again. We got a sequel and they have this whole tirade where they go on talking about just like the, like I said, the, the rebooting of the sequel, the resequel, whatever it is, just talking about that going through it. I, you know, I think that's really interesting. Um, Disney's back in the news as well, segueing into something new a little bit here. Uh, maybe not new. Uh, Aristocats is coming back. I don't know if any of you really care about that. Is there any Aristocat fans out there? Anyone really into that? I mean, it's a cute movie. It's got catchy songs. Adam's dancing over there. I think he likes Aristocats. Everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. Oh, man, we got a concert. That's not good. You guys, you guys can't even pay at home for that. That's pretty good. Uh, John, John, I know is Aristocats fan, right? You like the Aristocats over there? I don't think I've ever watched it. Oh boy! Oh boy! This guy, Mr. <laughs> Disney over here, he's never even watched Aristocats. Uh, For shame! You know, Disney's continuing. What, what else is there to say? You know, when I hear about these things, I'm so like, eh, it's happening, right? I mean, it's like I, I feel like it's just crap. a matter. It's a matter of time. Uh, Pinocchio, Peter Pan, Sword in the Stone. These have all been things that they've been talking about. Well, um, it's almost go ahead, too yeah. like the same thing, like. We were just saying too, they literally are going to remake the movie, and let's just add live action people to it and say, "Hey, we have a new movie for you." Yeah, and I think that but comes it's the to that same con- thing, right? And that's that conversation is like Lion King. That's not that's technically not live action. They're still computer generated. <laughs> They're still animated. That's not real. If there's nothing real in your movie, it's not live action. All you did well, was CK. a CGI Lion King. You didn't do a live action Lion King unless you had real lions on the set doing stuff. <laughs> then maybe it's live action. It's not. It didn't happen. That's how, well, that's how they screwed you, Kev. They I said, know. hey, live action. I wanted real lions Somebody on my set. Somebody might actually die. <laughs> I needed that, all right? I needed that. I need that scarred lion on there. Right? They could have found one. There's casting. They could have, you know, they could have had some interviews with some lions for this live action production. Did not happen. I want my money back. I Use do. some uh, later laser pointers to uh, direct them. Yeah, in laser pointers. Directions. You know what? That's fine. 
Just saying. And said so they're talking I mean, awkwardly throughout the whole movie, and ugh, there's some uncanny valley stuff I mean, that going on. Ugh. I mean, the circus did, was able to make them do tricks. You would think Disney could make them do tricks. I'm just saying, saying, just have to have them move a little bit. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I mean, it would have been incredibly dangerous, but you know, I would have would have been satisfied. Throwing it out there. For Aristocats, at least there's like what two to three human characters. I mean, they're not the main characters; they're very minimal, but there are humans in the film. From what I remember, yeah, you know, uh, there's also some like troublesome scenes in that movie that I think do, yeah. do need to be addressed at uh, at some point. Uh, some culturally inappropriate scenes from Disney's past. Which, wow, what another segue! Kevin's really good at this. Uh, there's another remake that we're going to talk about and it's going to get touchy. So I'm just letting you guys know at home, you know, we're, we're going to talk about it. You know, this is what you're here for. You're here for the conversation. Snow white has come under fire recently. Uh, and you know, who's doing it? Peter Dinklage has come out, come out of the woodwork here from, uh, you know, his game of Thrones fame. I guess he's not been doing too much lately. So he came out <laughs> and I don't know how you guys feel about this. Um, I want to make sure, you know, I talk about it correctly. Um, I just want to say Peter Dinklage came out when they were talking about the Snow White remake, you know, the live action remake. Uh, he said in an interview, um, and this is according to the Hollywood reporter where I pulled up this article. Uh, he said, literally no offense to anyone, but I was a little taken aback when they were pretty proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White, but you're still telling the story of Snow White and the seven doors. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one way, but then you're still making that effing backward story about seven dwarfs living in a cave together. What the F are you doing, man? Have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. So, what do you guys think? I know I, it's Snow White's. A, it's it's one of those stories where there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of components, and I'm not trying to dance around anything. I, I promise you. Um, I guess I'll give my take. All right. So the story of Snow White is Snow White as skin as white as snow. Right. And I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. And they did cast a Latina actress as Snow White. Even though the story tells, you know, that her whole name comes from her skin tone. And she does run into the seven dwarves. And, you know, I think there's a conversation there. You know, I mean, I, I see what he's saying. And I do want to address what he's saying as I... I kind of get it, you know, I'm not a, a person of the shorter height, so I can't, you know, relate to his struggles. But for the most part, those character the people of that stature are cast in comedic roles, you know, and I understand he has elevated a character. I mean, he was nominated as, you know, for an award, Peter Dinklage's portrayal as Tyrion Lannister. He's brought, you know, I forgot his height never mattered to me. You know, I mean, I, I saw it. I understood it. But it never mattered. Like his performance was always so strong. It was always I, I never I never thought about that. So I, I understand where he's coming from. Now, Adam, I know you you were uh, chomping at the bit to talk about this a little bit. What what are you, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? You know, do you think it's a controversy? Is that blown out of proportion? Should it be addressed? Like where where are your feelings? Where where are you lying with this? It's just I think it's I because personally in my head I okay. never thought the dwarves in snow white were because it's a fairy tale right but i never like associated them with real life i guess Great, so that's right. why and this movie struggles in my head i guess 
Mm-hmm. And this whole controversy struggles as well, because it's like it's a fairy tale. I, I never associated them with anything, you know, related to real life. Right. And I think and there's a conversation for that, because like we were saying about Aristocats, there's a, a very poorly aged. Um, a, I think it's a, is it a Siamese cat. I think I want to say I, I forget. And he's got like it's a, some, ki- yeah. some kind of uh, Asian related cat. And he's got like chopsticks. And he's got like the symbol on his head and a horrible he's, accent. And he's doing the breakfast at Tiffany's accent. Uh, for those who don't know what it is, you know, you, you can look it up and oof, it, it, it's, it's really not well. That's the kind of stereotype that I think we've aged beyond. Uh, do I think it should be removed from the movie? No, it's part of history as far as that movie's concerned. But if you're retelling the story, you know, I, I think it's okay to update. All right. Let's just say it's okay to update and, or just remove it completely, whatever you want to do. It's, it's a retelling. Snow White, I actually really agree with Adam here to the part where I never associated, uh, you know, people of short stature to dwarves from Snow White and the Sun Door. It's a fantasy. It's kind of like Goblins was a conversation that happened relatively recently where Jon Stewart brought up uh, the Goblins and Harry Potter were related to the the Jewish people. They were saying, like, oh, clearly because they like gold and they have pointy noses and ears and they're shady and they're described as that. I don't associate that. I mean, maybe some people do go in and think that. But you've got some dark crap on your mind. I hate to tell you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're really thinking that, that's on you. You know, I never associated those two things whatsoever. And I don't associate it here. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is exactly that story. Um, Do I think the actress's skin tone could potentially change the story? Yeah. I mean, but you can rewrite around it. You know what I mean? I mean, just because your name's Snow White, just change the story. Or you know what? Even better, and this is my opinion, don't do that story. Do a retelling. I think that's that's where I'm at with that. Uh, now, John, what do you think? What are, what are some of your thoughts here on this being Mr. Disney over there? Well, like you were just saying too, like I never thought of the dwarfs as like people per se. You just think of them as characters in a fantasy land. It's almost like one of those things too, where people go into movies and they try to pick apart every little thing, like. Oh, this isn't real, or this does. This is portraying people wrong. Like, obviously, people can't really fly either. So, do we have to take that out of movies soon too? Like, hey, can't have it in. People can't really do this. You know, it's one of those things where it's always going to be a touchy thing of like, do we get rid of everything in history that was wrong and just get rid of history, or do we keep some things in so people can learn? Like, we know nowadays certain things are not right in the way they did them back then but if you get rid of it completely then we're just going to repeat those same things along anyway right and i know we can learn from it and i think that's the biggest thing here and you know we we could go on for a long time talking about racism in disney films from when we were younger there's a lot you know unfortunately there's a lot there's a lot of things that just did not age well and you know it's it's ignorance right it is ignorance of the time but kind of like what john said you know if if i think you would leave it in learn from it and then in the future change it you know if it's not if it's not doing any it's tough it's it's a hard discussion it really is i feel like there's you know there's multiple sides to it especially being you know white i do have maybe a hard time relating to someone's experience like if i saw if i was a young you know african-american child and i saw dumbo and i saw the black crows talking in that movie you know maybe it would bother me to an extent you know i i don't know it's really hard to say uh, but what I do want to say is Disney did address the situation. 
um, the Hollywood Reporter article brings up Disney kind of went to set the record straight as far as this is concerned. They said, uh, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. So at this point, you know, they really haven't done anything as of yet. And I want to add to what Adam said, where, you know, they're kind of fantasy characters. Uh, what they said was the film has been in development for three years. The studio has been reimagining the dwarf characters since the earliest stages and have intended for the characters to be CG slash animated. So there really was no attempt at using, you know, dwarf, you know, dwarf actors. It was always intended to be like these kind of fantasy CGI type characters for the seven dwarfs. Well, also, too, I don't think you could ever see Disney or any other studio being like, hold on, let's hire seven little people or seven dwarfs or anything like that to play in this movie. I don't think it would go across well anyway. It's tough. I don't know, because then maybe it would, because then you'd be honoring those people. Now, Julie, what, what do you think? Because I know, you know you've had some thoughts on this, too. Yeah, it's a it's a mixed thing. You know, dwarves are, you know, a quintessential fantasy character. They're in Lord of the Rings. They're in fairy tales from Good point. Forever. Good point. Lord of the Rings has um, one of my favorite dwarves of all time, Gimli. Right. Um, so I, I actually don't know if I like the idea of them being CG. Um, and, you know, thinking about Peter Dinklage's comments, you know, his role, he's arguably probably one of the best characters of Game of Thrones. And you don't look at him for his height. I mean, obviously his character is treated differently in the show because of his height, because of his stature. Um, but he's the smartest one in the room every single time. Um, and it's one of those things. If you look at other roles, you know, he was an elf and being called an elf and, you know, oh, he's an angry elf. And so comparing his two roles there to see him like being made fun of in a silly way, an elf, but then actually being like a key player in Game of Thrones. It's really, I think, you know, people in that community were probably really inspired to see that of him and I could see his frustration you know you worked really hard and you get to that Game of Thrones role and, and incredible performance and then you go back to the jolly old dwarves you know so I think you know if they do listen to the community as they're in the production stages of this you know instead of being you know I mean I get they have all their different names happy grumpy whatever but maybe make them a little more gruff, give them that Lord of the Rings edge to it a little bit. And I say cast people from the little people community, from the dwarf community, honor them that way um, and listen to what they have to say. You know, it's it's one of those things, unfortunately, I, I would hope that it would have opened up a little bit more, but you mentioned, oh, you know, he hasn't been doing much lately, Peter Dinklage. And I think that's part of the problem with Hollywood. You know, he wow. gave an incredible performance despite his stature, um, and you would hope that it would open more doors for him because he's an incredible performer, but I can't remember the last thing I've seen him in aside from game of Thrones. Um, you know, there needs to be more opportunities for people, um, of all, you know, ethnicities, statures, abilities. Um, so I think he brings up a good point. It, it's tough. You know, you don't think of snow white without thinking of the seven dwarves, but I think it's time to maybe reevaluate the story and make make changes because again if we look at all of these disney reboots they're the same story they don't really do anything different right and right. if they do something different it's silly and it makes no sense like you know the changes they made for beauty and the beast learning more about her mother who cares that doesn't affect the story at all um so you know if you're remaking snow white 
you know, tweak the dwarf characters a little bit. Don't make them so silly. Make them, you know, characters of importance. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot to think about. I also John, feel like ahead, yeah. he also maybe, I think also too where this comes about, like he feels very passionate about this, obviously. I also think like he also probably was, maybe he was hoping for the role and one of the dwarf characters or something and he heard something wrong about it. I don't know. You know, I can see where you're coming from that. You know, I can see maybe he wanted to be in it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see him vying for Disney money. He seems like he's elevated himself a little above that with Game of Thrones. I could be wrong. Hey, you know, it's money is money. And I think that's, I want the I Disney think that's where his upsetment is. I think that's where his upsetment is. You know, a person of his stature was elevated to such a serious role. Right. And then he kind of sees this as, you know, going backwards. Right. And I and I contest to that a little bit because then we have a Lord of the Rings series is obviously in production. We, there was a recent trailer. It didn't really show anything. It just said it was a prequel series about the Lord of the Rings. Now, are the dwarves in Lord of the Rings going to be played by people afflicted with dwarfism? Is that what's going to be? Are those roles going out to those people? I don't hear a conversation about that, you know? I mean, I'm not trying to say, I think, I think Snow White, I think the main issue with Snow White, and I think that's where I can kind of, I become jolted a little bit with my, how I feel about it is that it is more negative, right? As we're looking at Lord of the Rings, the dwarves are a powerful people. You know, they're a powerful race of people who live, work in the mines and they're this strong and they love gold. You know, there, there's different, there's more to their characters. And I think the way Disney can kind of work with this is like you said, I think CGI could be the wrong way to go to some extent, you know, it it depends, but I think, you know, unless you're using some kind of motion capture, but then you run into other issues with that as well. I think giving them more character, maybe making their, making them like a people, you know what I mean? Like maybe an outcast of seven guys that were part of this community, you know, giving them more to do than just be happy, sleepy, dopey. You know, I think there's there's ways we can work in more character that'll make them more interesting. And I feel like that would should be able to satiate that, you know, the, the hatred that this movie seems to be getting before we even know anything about it. Yeah, I, I agree. Character development, you know, especially Dopey. That's a little problematic still. <laughs> yeah, well, Do- Dopey's problematic on a lot of levels, uh, unfortunately, with his character. Um now, what, what do you think, Adam? Just closing thoughts on this before we go on to our final topic here. What, you have anything you want to add or what do you what do you what do you think is maybe the right way? I mean, I know there's no that's not an easy question to ask somebody. Fortunately, I've asked you at this point. Uh, what, what are you thinking? What do you think? It's, it's kind of like uh, what John mentioned. It's it, you can't really please everybody. And right. if we're we go along that route then you're gonna have to just start canceling everything yeah and unfortunately i think hollywood's kind of like treaded into that i feel like we've taken some steps back to some extent i know it was worse at a heightened point especially like prior to the pandemic and during the pandemic i feel like everything was being canceled left and right you know there was Mm -hmm. there was no conversation for it i feel like i don't know maybe we are taking some steps back in that i think i think maybe we're having more level-headed i think studios are realizing that uh, Disney's, I think, starting to realize that some of that that uh, woke discussion isn't mm-hmm. making money or isn't what people really want. They want strong characters. That that's what we've always wanted, and that's what I've always justed for. I love my women in movies. I love women. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't know why I had to announce that, but I decided to. Uh, I think strong female characters are really important, and I want them to be strong by showing me instead of telling me. Show me right. why this person's strong. 
give me yes. that other Ripley character. Uh, horror heroines in general. I I love horror movies that have strong women in them because they're the most interesting characters and they they last. Right. You know, there's a reason why we see these characters continue on. So back to my other point, like I said, I just think why tell Snow White the same way we've told it a thousand times before? Take that story, change it around, give me something new. You know, that that's what I think people are looking for, and I think that's what people will remember more. Uh, which ties into my final story I really wanted to bring up. Now, this is an older older article, but it's a more recent release. Um, Mamoru Hosoda, who did um, Girl Who Left Through Time, which is a famous anime movie. I know, Adam, you're probably familiar with that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mirai was, I think, his last one. I think I said that right. Uh, uh, actually, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that one. I did see Summer Wars. Um, he did the Digimon special movie, uh, This Little War of Mine, which pff, I love that movie. That's fantastic. Um <laughs> Anyway, a side note. So he he did something which I'm seeing a lot happen in Japan recently. Uh, we've seen them take the Disney stories and kind of retell them in a new way. And recently I was able to go to the theater and I was able to check out Belle. Now, for those who don't know, Belle essentially is the story of Beauty and the Beast. And I want to bring it exactly what he says. Um, hold on one sec here. All right. Uh, so essentially it's inspired by the classic tale of beauty and the beast, but explores a digital theme by following an adolescent girl named Suzu who becomes a popular pop diva named bell in the virtual world through an application called you. So essentially he took, he's tying these two stories together. He's telling a modern take on an old story where beauty and the beast, you know, falls in love with the beast, yada, yada, yada. But this time he's taking technology and kind of throwing it in, telling his own unique version of, of the story and the beauty of the beauty and the beast. And for me, I thought it was extremely well done. I, I really love this movie. This was also one of those surprises I wasn't expecting. Um, but this article came up and I really wanted to bring it up because I wanted to get everyone's comments on it. Uh, he criticizes a lot of things that we've seen. He criticizes something about Japanese cinema and also something about American cinema, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so the article that I pulled up, it's from NME.com. Uh, Mamoru Hosoda, the director of Mirai and Bella, has criticized how young female characters are handled and portrayed in Japanese animation. Uh, You only have to watch Japanese animation to see young women are underestimated and not taken seriously in Japanese society. It really annoys me to see how young women are often seen in Japanese animation, treated as sacred, which has nothing to do with the reality of who they are. Without naming anyone specific, Hosoda took aim at a certain great master of animation who always takes young women as the heroine. Obviously, he's referring to Miyazaki, to all those at home. He always has a female heroine in his films. Um, He says, to be frank, I think he does it because he does not have confidence in himself as a man. The veneration of young women really disturbs me, and I do not want to be part of it. He added, sharing that he wants his female characters to be free from being the epitome of goodness and innocence and this oppression of having to be like everyone else. Uh, Hosoda told that he prefers stories that show the good and bad in people. This tension is what being human is all about. I think that's really interesting because I feel like, especially, uh, you know, from Japanese film, especially the Miyazaki films, there's a lot of like just pure innocence in all those movies where we never see any, even Disney movies to an extent. I feel like the protagonist is always this like cheerful, happy character especially if it's a younger girl which i you know i see i feel like we, we don't get a conflicted character necessarily like we don't really get that selfish motivation for a character and i really like where he's trying to go with this where he's trying to elevate the material for example like in beauty and the beast if we're going to make the reference to the movie he's talked kind of he remade here in beauty and the beast bell 
she's a selfless, perfect girl. You know, she has, doesn't want to do anything for herself. She's just in love and she's this praised heroine. But there's no conflict with her character. She's pretty much just moving the story along. What he's saying is he wants to see these characters have more inner conflict, which we see in his version of the story, where Belle, in his movie, she's more about, you know, pertaining her, keeping her anonymity, right? She likes the fame. She likes everything like that. And she's afraid to come out and be herself. She's not a perfect character. She has these flaws. Uh, I think I like where he's going with this. Again, this is, you know, just because a female character, a strong female character, a strongly written female character has character flaws, in my opinion. You're not just tough. You're not just badass. There's more to it than that. There's more layers. And I think this is a good example that we need to see come out in Hollywood more. Um, Julie, as, as a woman, <laughs> we're going to dive right into that. What do, what do you think of that that take? What do you think of that that kind of where he's coming from? Yeah, I mean, no character should be seen as perfect. Um, if we're, you know, if I'm thinking of a character that I don't like off the top of my head, Ray from the new Star Wars trilogy, you know, she was just seen as like super powerful, amazing at everything she does. I mean, granted, I guess she had that conflict with like the dark and the light, but in Star Wars, who doesn't? Um, but again, everything she did was just perfect. She was amazing at everything she did. Um, and, you know, speaking of Belle, she wasn't perfect. She didn't make the best decisions. Um, you know, she had a lot of self-confidence issues and that's why she found, you know, comfort in the online world. Um, so I do like to see that. Um, especially even comparing um, Miyazaki and Disney animated protagonists, female or not, um, a lot of those characters, you know, they are cheerful, they are happy, but especially Disney, they have a lot of trauma in their early lives, usually losing a parent figure, but they're still cheerful and happy. Um, and Belle does a nice job of really showing how impactful that trauma is of losing a parent at a young age. Um, and you know how that affects how the character moves within the world. Um, and any good story, your characters are gonna be conflicted. You're gonna like things about them. You're gonna not like things about them. You're gonna be frustrated with them when they make mistakes. And that just you know creates more engaging storytelling. I agree. Now, Adam, where are you on this, especially with you know seeing comparing the two protagonists? I know as, as well as me, you're fluent with the anime community seeing different films seeing these portrayals especially over the course of Miyazaki films and even Hosoda's films himself well what, what do you think how are your feelings on that I just like stories I don't care who <laughs> the character is right they're a good compelling character and you know they add to the story I'm gonna enjoy it it doesn't make a difference to me who right. they are yeah. how, what they look like at all it just I like because obviously everything's got ratings and whatnot and if it's a good rating and it's a good movie then I'm probably going to enjoy it. Right. I think, I think there's a conversation there. I think a well-developed character is going to bring people to the yard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, now, John, as someone who's more fluent in Disney, who hates anime, what do you think about his comments on that? As far as like the perfect protagonist, the perfect female protagonist, do you wish like some more modern Disney movies showed some more of these flaws? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I agree with what Adam said too. I feel like <clears throat> it's a story that you're, invested into it's not necessarily the character or the main who it's going to be it's always should be about the story and if they want to have more women main women characters that's fine i don't and they want to show different things that's good i feel like as long as we keep going forward with this stuff and not going back i feel like it's stronger i mean i will say kevin might disagree with me but um the newer disney movie encanto I'm obsessed with it. 
But I feel like that protagonist, it's a female. She's definitely conflicted. She's definitely not perfect, um, you know, when she's comparing herself with her family. So I think, you know, some of the Disney animated movies are making their way that way, you know. Right. Even, um, you know, Moana, she was, you know, she went against her parents. She was frustrated. She made mistakes. She definitely wasn't perfect. Um, so, you know, I would just like to see, you know, continue to see that trend. Yeah, I think Encanto is a really good example, actually. And I'm really glad you brought that up. That is something that I think kind of breaks that mold where, you know, I, I probably should give it more thought, you know, in my own opinion there, where I think Encanto did do something different with the formula because she does show a, a layered character, which, you know, I think we are getting a little bit better at. I think it's odd to think, but America is the least progressive in that angle as far as telling these more complex character stories from our animation. I feel like Japan's always had a leg up on us, even though their culture tends to be the more restrictive, more conservative kind of culture. Their stories seem to be more progressive in some angles, especially with giving out emotion. Like their stories always have more emotion than ours to some extent. And I think we're starting to see maybe America catch up in that reason. And Encanto is a really good example of that, actually, where they do have more about the emotional tale, the emotional journey with a character that's not just, a, you know, it's not just a, a kid's story, which I hate to use that as a as a device here. It's a story that's encompassing for everyone. And I would say even to, you know, a lot of the premise of Encanto is, you know, her measuring herself up against her perfect family. And then realizing that her perfect family members are not as perfect as she thought they were. Um, so I think that's a really good, you know, contender and a good comparison. You know, is it on the same intellectual level as Belle? Maybe not. But if you go and you see a movie and you enjoy it and you, you know, can relate and be empathetic to the characters, I think that's just a plus. No, I agree. And the last comments he made, which this one really hit home for me, too, when I was listening to this, because it's not something we have too much of, which, you know, we've dripped and dabbled here in Hollywood, is he talks about Steven Spielberg's portrayal of the Internet in Ready Player One. And this is something we're seeing in a lot of movies. I think now we're seeing a lot of these like shared universes. Um, I hate to reference this movie in general, but the new Space Jam. Oh, oh, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Talking about bad nostalgia right there. Uh, they're, they're building of this, their shared universe. You know, we're seeing so much shared universe stuff. I mean, Marvel's the perfect example. Will that work out for them? It's, it, it is so far, but you know, there, there's question of the, how far they're going to go. Um, but I think he, he brings up, he also criticizes Hollywood tropes of a dystopian internet, highlighting Steven Spielberg's ready player one as an example, claiming they do not do any favors for women. Hosoda, who's the father of a young girl told the, the this um paper here he wanted to empower her, her generation to be able to take control of their own digital destinies they have grown up with the internet yet are constantly told how malevolent and dangerous it is um that's a really interesting take you know we, we do see a lot of the negativity of the internet uh most stories that i come to the internet's always a bad thing do you guys see that a lot um i know like ready player one the internet's always very dangerous um i don't see really the internet in this like positive light I, I guess it depends on where you go, how you use it, and whatnot. Right. Well, we're talking about, like, just talk about from, me perspective. from media perspective, right? Let's talk about from, like, movie perspective. I feel like it's usually, like, this dystopian place. Like, if we're going to reference Ready Player One, it's just this, like, shared universe where nobody is who they say they are. And, you right. know, it's, like, this big contest, and there's all these people out to get you and this terrible thing. Uh, the internet is a dangerous place. Let, let's be realistic here, you know, depending on what side you go on and you know, who you talk to, there has to be some, you know, precautions taken. 
But I think there's also a lot of positivity that doesn't get shown here. And in Bell, I thought we did get to see a lot of that. I don't want to go into too much spoilers because I do want people to watch the movie. But he does focus on like a more positive angle of the movie, which I kind of want to see more of. You know, I, I think we need to go with that where there's more positivity being spoken of on the Internet. Yeah, it all and depends, you know. The Internet can give voice to the voiceless and allow people to express themselves in ways that they might not have the opportunity to or the confidence to do in their regular life. Um, it's, it's a balancing act. It can also be very toxic. Like Adam said, it all depends on how you engage in it and how you participate in it. You know, Twitter can be very toxic at times, but it, it, it's your level oh of engagement. Yeah, it is. Now, what do you think, Adam, of the internet being a, a construct to tell a story? Do you like that idea? Are you sick of it yet? Do you like it? What are your thoughts on that being like, because I feel like that's what we're moving into a lot of these kind of stories now, uh, especially Japan and not even just this director, but just in general, I think we're moving a lot of to the, the video game online world story simulations that we're given. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Over it. I mean, I, I definitely think that it's very inundated right now with a bunch yeah. of stories that are trying to be, you know, I guess, number one, if you will. Right. Um, I think that, they're, they all seem to be like gravitating towards the same story-esque. But I think there's so many more different uh, branches that they can go down if they, you know, do them properly. So right. I don't want to say I'm over it. Yeah. Um, you want more Sword Art because, Online? Is that yeah, what you want? I, um, <laughs> I really like threw up over give there. Me different. <laughs> give me different. Give me different. I will no, take all different. All right. Let's, let's, I, can, I concur. Yeah, we'll agree. No more sword art online. All right, let's let's take a break. You know, hate to say it. Sorry, guys. It's gonna I'm gonna get canceled because of that. There, there, that's another ravenous community. Want to talk about something? Now, John, to close this out of this conversation here, what do you think? Do you want? And now you know nothing about anime, as we made clear. You won't watch Bell, even if I recommend it a thousand times. I doubt you're gonna watch it. Um, what do you want? Do you want to see some American stories adapt the internet? Do you want to see that come into play more? What, what do you think? Do you want to see that as like an inclusive storyline? I mean, I guess it could be, but I'm not really looking forward to it. I mean, because <laughs> you're old. I feel like, yeah, I'm an old man. I'm a crotchety <laughs> old man over here. <laughs> but like, I mean, I guess if they do it, as long as they do it well, I don't really care how it's done. Yeah, because it's interesting in that article, Hasoda, he's saying pretty much like Spielberg, there's more to the article. I'm not going to dive too much deeper into it, but he does talk about how Spielberg is like older. It's an old man and doesn't understand the Internet. Hasoda's like 50 something. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. He's not a young guy. So for him to say he understands the Internet better than somebody else, you know, maybe he's more adapt to it you know but I, I don't know you know that's a that's a tough comment when you're when you're in that age range and you're saying you get the internet but somebody else doesn't i don't know i, I think it's a promising concept to come uh disney really hasn't tried to do anything with that yet i mean the closest they came to was the wreck it ralph series i was just gonna say that um, um and that was mixed in my opinion i think the the first one worked as far as just that that whole like arcade cabinet crossing over thing was kind of cool uh, once they got onto the internet in the second one, I, I really wasn't a fan. I could kind of leave that movie. I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you what it's about. I don't, don't even remember anymore. But, you know, it's interesting to see what happens with animation. Um, I, I just, it's, it's, there's a lot of promising things that can be done, I think. It's tough. I mean, like Adam said, it's, I feel like the same stories are just being told over and over again. Your protagonist 
creates an avatar and is thrust into this virtual world and finds themselves in one way or another and has conflicts and doesn't know who this person is or that person is, or they're stuck and they need to get out. You know, it's, I mean, you can argue that with any story. There's only what seven universal stories that are told over and over again. But when it comes to the internet storyline, it all just seems to be the same. Even the matrix, the matrix is an internet story. He's in an internet world and comes out of it. You know, it's, I don't know. It's, I want to see more creativity. I feel like it's just stale. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea. I'm not the biggest fan of those movies. I did enjoy Belle, um, but it just seems to be the same version of, or, you know, a different version of the same story. More sword art, please. More sword art online. No, oh, that's please, all we want. It to the... we, we want it. More sword art. I'm, I'm, I'm championing it. <laughs> all right. But before we close out, I want to end with something. If I throw a curveball here real quick. Now, 2021 obviously has come to an end. Clearly, we're in 2022. I don't know how to make that more apparent. Yay, we're all cheering. Now, I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask each of you, what was your favorite movie of 2021? Now, it doesn't have to be the best movie. It doesn't have to be just the movie you think you enjoyed the most throughout the year. Like, it doesn't have to be like this Oscar, Oscar winner pick because we're not about that here on this channel. Um, I'm going to go first So because I know I threw this on you guys. I, to, to those at home, I tried to like prep everybody with some ideas. I, I just thought this would be a nice way to close it out. Um, now, my move, favorite movie of 2021, without a doubt, was Dune. Uh, the review just went up recently on the channel. I'm not shilling for my channel or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Dune was really the best movie I saw this year because it made me become escaped in this new universe where I've always heard of Dune, but I've never really found myself like going to look deeper into it after I saw this movie, I've been obsessed with it. Julie knows I, I've been, I haven't been shutting up about Dune. Uh, you know, it makes me want to read the books. Uh, look, I'm researching like old materials, old shows. Uh, there was a show that had like James McAvoy that only came out in like the UK. I didn't know about any of this. I, I think it's crazy. I, it's so exciting to have this new universe to talk about. Uh, but beyond that, Den Dennis Villeneuve just brought on such a beautifully crafted movie. Uh, it, it's tough like I said in my review to recommend this to everyone. But for me, I found myself just purely escaped with this between the cinematography, uh, everything I don't shut up about on this channel is in that movie from practical effects, the storytelling, the actors, all that stuff. Kevin Ranson raves about is in this movie. I mean, how could I not have loved it? Um, Dune was just like a phenomenal experience and I saw it in IMAX. Uh, it was one of the first movies I went back to, you know, when the pandemic kind of was like slowing down a little bit to go see, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. It was probably one of the, it's up there as one of my all time favorite movie experiences, just being surrounded in that atmosphere and music. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to give you guys, I think you should watch Dune. That's going to be my recommendation. If something, if you're going through the list of 2021 uh, here in New Jersey, we got a snowstorm. We're in a blizzard right now. Uh, I can, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm going to try and get caught up on some stuff. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to recommend to you guys. Uh, who's ready. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Who wants to go? Uh-oh. All right, I'm going to pick then. Julie's going. <laughs> well, thanks for the curveball. Um, if I had to pick, you're probably going to say it doesn't count, but my favorite thing that I've watched this year, and you're going to roll your eyes, is Bo Burnham's Inside. It's not a movie. It's a comedy oh special. God. But if I'm talking about the thing that I enjoyed watching the most this year, it's that. Um, I've been listening it to the music nonstop since June. Um, his commentary on the internet on society as a whole, um, I just think is so intelligent, um, really thoughtful, 
Um, you know, the fact that he did it by himself in, you know, a little guest house. It's just, it's a really great spectacle to watch. Um, I really enjoyed it. If I have to pick a movie, I'm going to pick Spider-Man No Way Home for obvious reasons. No, I like the Bo Burnham pick. Uh, you know, I, for me, the reason I don't like it, and I'm going to tell everybody why I don't, is because she overkilled it. She <laughs> over, when you hear the music a thousand times, it starts to lose its luster. I think that happens with anything. When you see it or hear it a thousand times, you start to be like, all right, I kind of had enough. But no, I think there's merit to it. I think it was a really, that was a surprise too to come out of this pandemic with something special and unique. Uh, Spider-Man 2, obviously. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna tell you that's not good. That that's obviously perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, Adam, what do you got for me? What are you thinking? Okay, so the nostalgia was way too powerful in Spider-Man, <laughs> so it has to be Spider-Man, right? <laughs> right? But if I was to pick another movie, okay, I would yeah. say that uh, Tick Tick Boom on Netflix. Wow, that's a surprise. I did not expect. That was that. great. I really enjoyed that movie. Now, what, what yeah. were your? Why did you enjoy that so much? Like, give me, give me a little insight into here, because that, that's was, a, that's a curveball for me. I, that's not something I would expect to hear you say today. That wouldn't have been on my 2022 bingo list right now to hear that. Adam and I coming in with the musicals. Seriously, yeah. what's going on here? You know, Kevin, you're throwing curveballs at us. I'm gonna throw them right back at you. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just written so well, and the music was really enjoyable in it. Um, I'm generally not a fan of musicals but either, that either. one was just um i don't know i was just i think it's because the story was so good and you know of course andrew garfield i couldn't get enough after seeing him in no way home so it was like <laughs> it's just, just a little more going. right it was like perfectly timed almost with the come out come yes. alongside that spider-man release it's like yep. oh here we go a little more andrew a little more um mm-hmm. no, I it was really, really good i watched it uh i wasn't a huge fan necessarily uh i didn't hate it that means anything uh <laughs> you're not a big musical person either, i'm not though. i'm not i hate to say it but uh mm-hmm. i think andrew garfield's really good in that movie if i'm to say yeah. anything i think his performance was escapist at times if that's the word i like to use that's the word of the day for me at this point uh he did really good i mean he carries a lot of that movie uh lynn manuel miranda which is a conversation we'll probably have at some point here on the channel he yeah. i'm not a huge fan of a lot of his stuff uh, the man can't write a segue from song spoken word to song to save his life. I think there's a lot of issues where it's like, Hey, we're talking, we're talking la, 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 song, song, song. Like what the hell happened? Like you didn't segue into that naturally. Maybe it has to do with this Broadway experience. You know, I, I don't know that maybe more educated people should speak on that before the comments come after me. Uh, th- that's just how I feel, but tick, tick, boom's a good one. You know, I- I'd recommend it, especially if you're interested in anything, you know, that movie has to do with, I've never seen rent. So I have no idea what they were even talking about half the time about Rent. I just know the name. Well, Rent. They, Rent was very minimal in Tick, Tick, Boom. It was more so that original project and then, right. you know, the creation of Tick, Tick, Boom. That's its own, you know, separate thing. But um, right. funny anecdote with Lin-Manuel. He was recently in an interview and they were talking about, because I guess, you know, he was filming Tick, Tick, Andrew Garfield was filming Tick, Tick, Boom. And then the leak came out about him potentially being in spider-man and len goes and he goes andrew you, you in the new spider-man movie he goes no 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 why why would you say that i'm not no no like it's super squeaky like defensive high pitch and i thought that was hysterical that he had to like hold that in no that. That, that is that's really funny but uh I, you know may, maybe it doesn't reference rent too much just maybe if i knew anything about rent i maybe would have been more interested uh his life is interesting though i, I will say that i it, it did force me to go look up some like trivia about the movie and try to understand what's going on but andrew garfield should not be ignored for his performance at the very mm-hmm. least in that movie say what you want about the story i think there's issues but his performance man pff, 
that that is that is something that that should be acknowledged. I think learning to play the piano, singing, just just in general, man, that, that was really impressive. John, yeah, you're rounding it out, man. I, I hope it's a big one. I'm ready. It's a big one. I hope so. Impressive. I probably, probably only seen like eight movies the whole year. God, I hope they were good. Oh, they weren't. But oh no, the one the one that I think was probably what one of like a, the ones I kind of remember because I'm an old man. Right. Um, was nobody. I felt like that All was right. a. I felt like that was a good movie this year. I thought like it it was just funny and action packed, and I felt like it was one of those movies that. Or maybe it was also because I haven't seen like a new movie in a while, but like that one <laughs> sticks out to me right now. I know. I, I found myself like rewatching old stuff this year. I was really trying to catch up. I always feel like I'm I'm behind. Like I'm trying to catch up on last year's movies. Just and then I get to this year's movies. That, that seems to be the case. But uh, that was a surprise. Uh, check out the review on the channel if you guys haven't. But nobody, by all accounts, it should have been just a carbon paste, carbon copy taken movie right i mean just an older man doing action scenes you know but it's not that it's not john wick right that's i think maybe the biggest comparison was people thought bob odenkirk was the new john wick which if you pitched that to me i would have laughed in your face and thrown you out shown you the door um but no it, it worked by all accounts i think it's a fantastic movie uh like john said i think it surprised me with its action uh set bob odenkirk up as an action star who to thunk? Not me. I didn't think Better Call Saul there. He's the man. You know? <laughs> uh, and good for him. You know, he, I feel bad. He had a heart attack last year, and uh, I know he's recovering on set of Better Call Saul, which is which is crazy. And he went like right back to work shortly after. Good for him. You know, seriously. But no, nobody's a good recommendation. I think it's also on HBO Max right now, which is a, a good recommend if you guys haven't checked it out. We should probably do that more when we talk about things like where you can find it, where you can watch it. I always forget to do that because everyone's like, oh, I don't know how to watch that, Kevin. What the hell's wrong with you? Probably should tell me. Maybe, maybe. But all right, guys. Well, thank you. I want to thank my esteemed cast here of uh, everyone joining me. Uh, Adam, if uh, people want to find you, where where can they follow you? If they, if they want to take a look at what you have to say. Uh, I am pretty active on Twitter. Uh, it's, my Twitter handle is Cosmicality. Um, can link that somewhere i guess yeah we'll, we'll throw a link in there we'll let the people know where that is uh john how about you where can the people obviously they can find you on the channel we can find everybody here on the channel obviously we got something going on uh john if people want to talk to you uh, where can they find you at you can find me on twitter i am the bearded john on twitter oh i like that i always love that and julie <laughs> if people want to talk to you uh, where can they find you um I actually have to look up my Twitter handle because I don't know it off the top of my head. <laughs> oh man, that shows how much I use it. Uh, she actually is at Real Movie Girl, I believe, is what is her Twitter handle. If you guys want to talk to her and you know talk about anything, because uh, you know she's not a guy, so we gave her like a little special title as being the the exception to the rule here on the channel. Uh, if you guys want to talk to me. Uh, at the real movie guy on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow the guy, the real movie guys on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow me personally for all my beautiful hot takes that I have, at GasMassDragon27 at Twitter. And that's my Twitter handle if you guys want to talk to me. Uh, if you guys are watching this, make sure you like, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we really appreciate it. We made such good progress this year, guys. Over 100 subscribers. I know that seems small and maybe insignificant to some people. For us, that's crazy. Who the fuck we would be able to do that? I, you know, we had such good growth. Um, and I, I really want to thank everybody there I'm on Instagram. We're over a thousand subscribers over there. People are watching, looking for our content. 
Um, if you have any comments, make sure you link it down below. Any questions for us? Uh, hopefully, I'd like to maybe do a Q&A segment on these. And, you know, if people have questions for us, you want us to ask at the end of each conversation, uh, maybe we'll try to answer those. We'll have to go around, have everybody talk about everything. Otherwise, um, make sure you, again, make, give us a listen on YouTube. We're on so many podcasting platforms. I'm not even going to list them all. Uh, just search for us on your local podcasting platform. We should pop right up. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We are the Real Movie Guys. Real guys, real movies, real thoughts. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. If you guys like what you've seen here today, consider giving this video a like and leaving your thoughts in the comments below. If you want to stay up to date with everything Real Movie Guys related, make sure to hit that subscribe button and check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget all you audio listeners at home, we are available on many podcasting platforms. Just search The Real Movie Guys, you should pop right up. Thank you again all so much for joining us on this episode of The Real Review. We are The Real Movie Guys. Real guys, real movies, real thoughts. Catch you next time.